move you and I to a new prayer level. Come on, amen? He wants you to move from just praying just for your needs, which is very important, and you should pray for your needs, but he also wants us to pray for his needs. He wants you to pray for the needs of of the nations of the world, for your neighbor, your enemies. He wants you to pray for all people. Amen? Come on. So so here it is. We're talking about it's time to be deployed. I've been talking about, I'll try to slow down, I can't my breath. We've been talking about you becoming a prayer warrior. Okay? And so God has called us. We have this thing called spiritual warfare. Sometimes we don't like to agree about it. Sometimes we don't, we don't, we're, we're kind of freaked out about it. There is a war between God's kingdom and the kingdom of hell. And God's kingdom's already won, but the kingdom of hell is always trying to keep you and I from attaining what God has for our lives on this earth. Do you understand that? So he's trying to take, take people captive, trying to destroy your life. That's what the Bible says. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. So this is the last of this. If you haven't heard all of these, they're online at www.rockvilleag.com. They're there. There's some, God gave us some powerful ones. I believe this is the, the last one, which is going to be a great one. Uh, I have a couple of scriptures. I'm just going to go through them. Ezekiel 22:30. it should be on your notes and on the overhead, um, says this. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found none. Now, God is speaking through Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is a prophet. And at this time, you've got to get this, Israel is, is walking away from God. Israel is, is walking away. They're, they have foreign gods. And he's calling out to Ezekiel. He said, I'm looking for someone to go on the wall and to stand in gap and to plug the hole, but I found no person. No one wanted to do that. They, we, we've been invaded or we've been taken over by this world system. And so every follower of Christ should be a prayer warrior. Come on, amen? God is calling you to be a prayer warrior. So every believer of Christ also has specific gifts and talents that you are gifted with. Like our awesome worship team, they did a wonderful job this morning. Amen? And so they were gifted. I'm going to move these things back because you know I get a little hyper walking around and I don't want to run into all this stuff. And so we have a powerful time. Everyone has gifts. Every one of you are gifted and talented. Amen? Three of you, four of you. You're all gifted. You're all talented. And God has great plans for you. But one of those gifts that are underutilized is prayer. Prayer is for every believer. Now, I know there are those who really have the, the gift of intercession, but every believer can pray. Say that. Every believer can pray. Okay? And so, so God has some specific things in the Bible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Another is to love one another. Also, we're to make disciples of all nations. But then also, there's a lot of emphasis on prayer. Remember, it, Jesus said when he cleared, out the, he cleared out the temple, he said, my house shall be called the house of what? Prayer. So what should we be doing? Praying. You got it? Sermon's done. You're like, what? No, I, I, got, I got a little bit for you. What would happen if believers in Jesus Christ took serious this concept of praying? What would happen when we prayed together, when we stood together in prayer? What would happen in our nation? You see, we think, I meet Christians and I meet people who say, well, our nation is lost. It, it, we're, this is worse than Rome. This is wor- worse than the Greek empires. We are down. We, we're never coming back. I disagree. We can come back. Some of you, you've already given. All right, I, that's another sermon I have to come back with. This nation is not lost yet. But it will be if we don't start praying in united prayer we don't start sharing the love of Christ and we allow the world to continue to to brainwash us and brainwash our kids and take away the power, which is Jesus and praying in Jesus name. Amen. So what would happen when we begin to pray and unite in prayer? Many agree that prayer is important, but getting us to pray is hard. Come on. Oh, pastor evangelism is great. I pray. But if I said, hey, we're having a prayer meeting tonight at six o'clock, you got to come and pray. I think that there would be a little less than this amount of people in here tonight. If I said it, it concerns the, the, the health of our nation or the, the saving of our nation, a few of you would show up. Because we agree that prayer is important, but we can't agree on why we need to pray, how we need to pray. Maybe we don't agree that our world is, or we think I've given up, there's just nothing happening. So I want to challenge us in the next few minutes. It's time for you and I to be deployed in prayer, okay? I know some of you don't like talking about the military, but God 
talked through Paul about spiritual warfare. Remember, put on the full armor. And in that full armor in Ephesians 6, it's saying prayers and intercessions of all types. Okay? So here you go. You ready? Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Listen to this. Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, if you have any encouragement, send to us. And from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. Now, he wasn't saying be unified or, or be like brainwashed and every one of you look the same, wear the same clothes. He was saying be unified in purpose, in love. Amen? So there's power in agreement. Would you agree with that? Three of you. Okay. Just nod your head. There's power in agreement. When a group of people come together in a common purpose, say, we want to accomplish something, they can accomplish something, right? This nation, football teams, sports teams, symphonies, orchestras, can accomplish great things when they come together and they, they're united. The same can happen in a church when we unite in purpose and prayer. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon wrote this out because he understood this. He was, he was one of the wisest men. And check this out. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And check this out. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I, I read that all the time, and I, I think that means God with us. God is with us. So, so if you and another believer and God is with you, there is a, a cord that cannot be broken. So the first thing is this power and agreement. Power and agreement. Write that down if, if you're keeping notes. If not, just follow along. The second thing then is, is not only that, is, is um, securing the title deed. Everybody knows what a title deed is, right? Okay, so if you own a house, you own, you own a car, you own something, you own, something big like that, you'll get a title deed saying, this is yours, you own it, okay? And so, for us to, to, to make prayer happen in your life, not just, oh God, rub-a-dub-dub, bless this grub, or God, let me have a good hair day. I mean, those are, you should pray, God, bless my food, bless my family. But we've got to begin to, agree, to pray for other things as well. And God, it's God's will, would you agree, it's God's will for all people to know Jesus. Okay, so if that's that, then we got to stand on that saying it's God's will for people to know Jesus Christ as the Savior. It is God's will for the church not to hide, but to be the light to the world. Amen. And so then what we need to do is say, okay, we need to secure the title deed is that this. Here it is. God intends for you and I to live in community. Okay, you cannot live in this world and succeed or survive without help from one another. Our world is trying to get you to be, to be separated and isolated all the time. We've got to come together. Amen? And we have to come together for God's purposes. He intended for us to live as a church. So here's what he says in Matthew 18, 19-20. You're going to see what the title deed here in a second. Matthew 18, 19-20 says again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Now, remember back in Ecclesiastes, it said a cord of three could not be easily broken. Here it is. When two believers with Jesus is together, there's a cord of three. When there's three, that's even more power. Amen? And so Jesus was saying as prayer warriors that we're able to harness miraculous power. We're able to harness more power than the U.S. Congress. That's not too hard, is it? <laughs> We're able to harness more power than every financial institution this world has ever dreamed about. We're able to harness more power than any military force or all the combined military forces of every nation in this earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't understand what I'm saying. God is bigger than anything in this world. And when we come together, Jesus said, if two or three are gathered in my name, and if you agree about it and you touch on it, you go to that title deed that I own everything... Got it? And you pray for it and believe it, it will happen. Then Hebrews 11 says, Now faith, check this out, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That word certain, it, it, it means proof, evidence, or title deed, proof of ownership. 
And the writer, the, the writer of Hebrews wants us to see that genuine faith is at work. And what we're doing is we're, we're going to God who owns everything and saying, God, our faith is secure in who? You. If you own everything, then we're going to you because you own everything. The devil, he might think he owns everything, but he doesn't own everything. So we can kick the devil out through prayer anytime we want when we unite. Come on, amen. We can ask God to straighten out governments and help poor, help, help all people if we would begin to unite in prayer. You see, uh, most of you, maybe you've seen the Olympics, but in Ukraine, remember all the, all the violence there? Hundreds of people have been dying, and that's happened. You know, and here we are, we're worried about whatever. And in, in worlds like, countries like that, so I was praying because I have a friend that's a missionary there, and fortunately they weren't there. They Facebook messaged us, we're not in, in Ukraine right now, we're in the United States for our, our daughter right now, so thank you for the prayers. But hundreds of people have died, churches and buildings and all that stuff. And then even if you don't know, even in Nigeria, I just got a fax last week that they burned a pastor to death and burning churches. So what must we do? Oh, wow. Well, we better talk to our government to talk to their government. That's not working. You need to get on your knees and say, God, I, according to this, I'm going to get two other believers. I'm going to pray together that this violence stops because we have the title deed because you own everything. Do you see what I'm talking about? We've got to start praying like that. We've got to get out of our own little world to start praying for the bigger thing. Amen? You see, because united prayer secures God's answer. The second part of this, the place of agreement. Again, everyone agrees that prayer and evangelism are important. But not every one of us agree on how to do it. Not everyone else agree to do it. We all say, we, oh yeah, prayer is important, Pastor. Evangelism is important, but I don't have time. You need to make time to pray. You need to make time to allow God to allow you to be a light to your co-workers, your family, your friends. Amen? Prayer warriors unanimously exalt God's preference and His pleasure. Their prayers are moved from, yes, they do pray for their needs, but their prayers go from themselves to God for the country, for the nation, their community, their family, their church. And, and we get a better understanding of this according to Paul. When he asked God in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10, he, he asked God to take away the thorn in his flesh, whatever, it might, whatever that flesh thing, that thing that he had in his flesh. Let me read this to you, and you'll get this. 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me, to take, take away from me. Uh, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, Paul accepted God's will, even though it was contrary to what Paul wanted. Do you understand this? Paul said three times, God, would you remove this thing from my flesh? It, it's hurting me. It's destroying me. It hurts, God. Can you remove it? And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. What did Paul do? Well, fine, then I'll... I won't go to church anymore. No, he said, God, that's fine. Your will be done then. I submit to you because in my weakness, you are strong. And you see, you and I need to mature as Christians to move beyond feeling sorry for ourselves because we didn't get our cake in our prayers. Come on, amen? I'm just being straight with you today, okay? I want you to grow in your prayer life. I want you to pray for your needs. I want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray for your success. But I want you to stop just praying for your success and start praying for God's success. Do you see what I'm saying? So God was saying to Paul, hey, that's fine. I can take care of you. And my grace is sufficient. And Paul said, okay, then I will boast in my weakness because it will glorify God. Paul accepted God's will. And Paul moved beyond that to a place of agreement saying, okay, God, you know my needs. But now I'm going to agree with you and the church about the needs of your kingdom. Your prayer life should not just be for you, but it should be for our church, not just for our church, but every church in every country of every nation. Amen? And you've got to move to a place of agreement. Say, okay, I, God, I do agree evangelism is important. God, I do agree prayer is important. God's power had rested then on Paul, and the place of agreement brought a place of power in Paul's life. If you look at his ministry, Paul had a powerful ministry. Come on, amen? Because he submitted himself to God's will. He said, not my will, but yours. He's in, in that sense. He said, I'm giving it to you. So therefore, check this out. I'm hoping you're getting this. might be deep. Some of you, this is elementary stuff, Pastor. There was no more resistance to God's will in Paul's life. He stopped just praying for Starbucks to be good that day. He stopped praying that God would take that thorn out of his life. 
He said, God, I'm accepting whatever you give, and I'm now praying for your will to be done. I want to challenge you as a believer. I've been here for 10 years as your pastor. I've talked about prayer throughout different times, and I've given you this book. I've tried to, or tried to give you this book to touch the world through prayer. If you've not read this, and it's been sitting on your shelf for the last 10 years or the last six months, the last week, you need to pull this book out. And pray. In fact, Lawrence was telling us this morning, it's by his nightstand that he can just read a little chapter every day. It's such an easy book to read. You don't have to read it cover to cover. Just read it every day. Read a chapter or two and begin to use this stuff and begin to pray for power to manifest. Amen? In your life, in this church, in this community. So I want you to say, I want to not just pray for my needs, but I want to pray. Matthew 18, 9 through 20 again. Again. I tell you that if, any, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there with them. Again, there's the place of agreement. When two of us, three of us get together, say, so you know what, I'm going to defend marriage and prayer. I'm going to pray against this scourge. In fact, I, we, Olivia and I have been reading in the paper up in the Frederick area that uh, drug, drug selling, and, and uh, I can't remember exactly, my just brain went blank, but there's a, a, an increase in heroin use, I believe, in the Frederick County area. And so I've been praying about that. I mean, I've got to get some other people to pray about that. And so when you see evil activity come on, on the rise, don't say, oh, or the government, it's all their fault, or it's, it's the pastor's fault. Get on your knees and, and get with two other believers and say, we're, we're going to pray about this. We're going to stop this in Jesus' name. Come on, amen? amen. Pastor, I'm busy. i got a full-time job. i, I got kids. Everybody does. What's your excuse then? Come on, can I be honest? Amen. Every one of us are busy. There's 24 hours in everyone's day, right? There's 365, except for on leap year, right? So stop making the excuse that you're busy. Every one of us are busy. We, we are too busy not to pray. That's the problem. We've got to come together. Come on, church, Amen. You, are you glad I came in ready? In love and sugared it down today? Isn't that awesome? Number two, your prayer mission. I, I don't like to do that. N- number two, Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You are a missionary where you go to school. You are a missionary where you go to work. You are a missionary where you go to eat. You're a missionary everywhere you go. Come on, amen? amen. Your mission is to be Christ-like and to make disciples. Seriously. Teenagers in middle school, high school, elementary school, that is your mission field. Not only are you being educated and the government's paying for it, or maybe you're paying for some of it, you're paid to be a missionary. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Come on, you go to work, you're paid to be a missionary. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Come on, amen. So you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor, that's your job. No, it's your job to be a missionary where you live, where you work, where you go to school. Amen? So the, your prayer mission is not only to be a witness and make disciples, then you're to pray about it. Every believer is called to prayer. Letter A, every believer is called to prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4. Check this out. Hit the scripture. You got it? In fact, if you can, read it with me. Everyone, read, look up the screen, okay? I urge you. Read it with me. Ready? I urge you then... First of all, that request, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, who does God want to be saved? Everyone, who does he want to be praying for that? You. So you and I have a prayer mission and a mission to be a light. So every one of us are called to reach people and to pray for their salvation. Every, amen? So, I mean, what is, the, what is the mission statement of a mosquito? Anybody know? To get your blood. And to, to breed more little pests. Their mission statement is very simple. Get your blood, breed so we can continue on. Your mission statement as a believer is very clear. Make disciples of all nations and pray for their salvation. Very simple, right? Well, what am I supposed to do? I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I just told you what God wants you to do. You're to pray for the lost and you're to reach them and make disciples of them. Yes, you're to worship. Yes, you can work and and do all that stuff. But in that, you're a missionary. Amen? Amen? 
So the letter B is, will you answer the call? Will you answer the call? Ezekiel 22.30, I looked for a man among you who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I have, I, that I have not, excuse me, so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. You see, God is holding back his judgment. There's going to be a day when he says, I can't hold back judgment because the world is wicked. But he's saying before that, I'm looking for men and women to stand in the gap. I'm looking for the church to stop worrying about itself and start standing in the gap for their nation. He says, because pretty soon, I'm going to have to destroy it. I'm going to have to bring judgment on the land. But I'm calling on the church. Well, that's not me, Pastor. I'm busy. Pastor Daniel could do that. Or that's, that's another person. No, he's, call, he's like, I'm looking for anyone to stand in the gap. For your family, for your church, for your nation, for the people of the world. Amen? Your mission is a prayer mission. Will you answer? You see, Ezekiel reminded the nation of Israel, their mission, your mission is very simple. Will we answer the call? So let's talk about this. Number three, the role of intercession. Every believer can intercede. Amen? Amen. Say, I can intercede. That means you are standing in the gap. You're praying for your family, your friends, the nations of the world, a co-worker, even your enemies. You're going to God for them. Do you see this? You see, in the Old Testament, if, you, if you've read through the Old Testament, the priest had lots of duties, correct? If you read through the, 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 the Torah or, or, or the, you know, the first five books of the, of the Bible, the law, they were talked about all their, their functions and the priest did all these functions. But one of the other things that the priest did and the high priest did was he was a go-between between the people and God. And, and sometimes it was Moses, sometimes it was a judge. But he would go before the people for, and, and he would make sacrifices for them. And he would intercede for them. In fact, if you remember Moses, even God said, I'm going to wipe out all these people and start over again. If you remember that. Do you remember that? And what did Moses do? Moses went in between and interceded and said, God, please, you've created these people. You've done all these great things. You're going to do great things. Please have mercy on them. And Moses even went this far. And I, this is awesome. He said, you can take my name out of the land's book of life so that my people would be saved. That is true intercession. And so, the role of an intercessor is that. And you see, Jesus became the ultimate for us. He became the ultimate in between. In fact, Hebrews 9.12 says, He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once and for all by His own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. You see, every year on the Yom Kippur, the day of redemption, the children of Israel had to cleanse themselves and then they would offer a sacrifice Uh, The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice every year for the people. Right? Jesus said, I don't do it by blood, the the blood of animals. I do it because I've given my life. I'm holy. He became our lamb. You got this? He is the ultimate go-between. And because he's done that, the Bible is very clear. If you've never read through the book of Hebrews, you need to read through the book of Hebrews. You'll understand what I'm talking about. The Bible says very clear that then our high priest understands what we go through and he's opened a way that we can boldly now, because of Jesus, Go before the throne of God. Do you understand this? You can boldly go before the throne of Jesus. So check this out. Hebrews 9.15 For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. That those who, who called may receive the promised eternal in, inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So now you're free of sin through Jesus Christ. You have total access to the throne of God 24-7. Do you understand that? Jesus now opened away. Now, your job is to turn around and say, Lord, I'm praying now for my family, my co-workers, my neighbor, my nation, the, the nations of the world. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You doing good? You awake? 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. I know this is not one of my hyper messages. I might be hyper, but it's not one of my hyper messages. But you, check this out. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Think about that. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see this? You have now been commissioned by God because Jesus opened the way. You are now royal priesthood. That you are now to intercede for your family, your co-workers, and your friends. You're to go to the throne of God and say, God, have mercy on my family. God, have mercy on my boss. God, have mercy on the governments of the world. Do you see this? God, have mercy on my enemies. Are you, are you catching this? It's your job to do that. Come on, amen? You're to pray for those that are in your circle. So let's move on. Let's move on. Let me give you some modes of intercession. You doing good? 
This is good stuff because God wants to move the church forward through prayer. And every time God wants to do a big thing, he begins it in prayer. In the church. Come on. So number, number four, the modes of intercession. Some of you are wondering, I got four, five, and six, and we'll be done. We'll be done before three o'clock. Isn't that awesome? We will be. Maybe even before that. The modes of intercession. Letter A, uh, in intercessors wrestle. Now, I told you about my wrestling career in middle school, in element, or junior high school. I was horrible. I think I won, I won one match and got beat like 12 matches. I was horrible. I mean, wrestling. I, I don't like wrestling around with guys. I mean, I, I know we did it as boys, my brothers and all that. But man, I mean, there are all kinds of moves. And it took, it took, it took a lot of uh, uh, strength and endurance for wrestling. It's same like boxing. I know some of you guys watch that evil stuff, that mixed martial arts stuff. I'm just kidding about that. Uh, I, I, and, it, and that stuff takes a lot of energy. And it takes a lot of endurance. So, so in the spiritual realm, wrestling is spiritual warfare. And it takes a lot of endurance. Amen? It's often difficult, and it takes constant pressure for us to pray spiritually as, as prayer warriors and intercessors. Colossians 4, 12-13, I read this to you a few weeks ago. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always, check this out, always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may f- stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea in Heropolis. So he's praying for three cities. And if you, if you understand the Roman and the Greek empires at this time, they were wicked people. They were hedonistic. I mean, you thought our nation was people blaming the United States. Well, you're a colonistic nation. You're going out to take over people. We're not like the Roman Empire. I mean, the Roman Empire, they, weren't, they were taking nations and taking their gold and taking the people back as slaves. The, the Greek Empire was all about education and philosophy and do what you want. And the Romans also did that. There was a party spirit. So there was, you could marry anything and everyone you wanted to. And so here this Epaphras was praying for the believers in these three cities. And, he's, and he was wrestling for them in prayer. And he attempted to unseat the powers of darkness that were weakening the confidence and the certainty and the assurance of God's will in the believers' lives. And you and I need to start praying like that for our families. For your children, for your grandchildren, for your, if you're not married, you don't have any kids, then for your, your nation, your, your co-workers, your family around you. Amen? For the nations of the world, we are to pray like this. We're to wrestle in prayer. I want to challenge you. Can I challenge you? Would you do this for me? Would you say, God, help me to move my prayer life from five minutes or ten minutes or thirty minutes to an hour a day? And here's how you do that. Turn off your cell phone. Put down the game box remote. Put the, turn off the computer. Turn off the TV and just begin to pray for an hour. Come on. Make a list. Write it down. Pray for Pastor Sam. The guy's hyper. He talks fast. Let him slow down so I can understand what he's saying. Pray for Pastor Daniel. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation, whether you agree with where the nation is going or not. Pray for all the nations. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for you to be a missionary. Do you understand what I'm saying? I can give you a list of stuff and it will take more than an hour to pray. You can come up with your own. Pray for your family. They have needs financially. Pray for a, excuse me, a brother or sister or a cousin or a whoever. Do that. Come on. Amen. Your TV show, I say, is just going to be a rerun anyway. And you're going to catch it on Hulu anyway. Come on. Come on, church. Amen. Facebook, FaceTime, Twitter, all that stuff, that's not as important as you getting on your knees and praying. I'm challenging you. If you really want to grow in your faith... I want to challenge you. Put it all down and start saying, I'm going to spend an hour somewhere in prayer for that to happen. I guarantee you, you're going to, it's going to be tough. Your flesh is going to fight you. The phone's going to ring. You're going to feel your phone. You're going to see your phone. You put it down and you're going to see the, you know, you got to vibrate, you know. Oh, I got to, you're going to withdraw. Oh, I got to, I got to, I got to answer. I got to, no, you don't. Do you remember what it was like when we didn't even have those crazy things? Really? It's not that important. Well, what if someone's dying? Then why not be praying then? Come on, amen? That's heartless, Pastor Sam. Well, spend more time in prayer and less people die. Probably. <laughs> I challenge you. Become a prayer warrior. Advocate for other people. Pray for salvation. Pray for God's will to be done. Amen? Let her be. Inter- intercessors reason. They reason with God. We get this concept through Abraham when he was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah and for Lot. Do you remember the account? 
Abraham, excuse me, Abraham prays. The angels come to Abraham. Abraham, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire from heaven is going to come down and destroy it. Do you remember this? And ultimately it happened. But Abraham said, God, if there's 100 people, okay, if there's 50 people, because Abraham knew how wicked it was. Remember this? If there's 20 people, if there's 10, if there's 5 people, God said, okay, I will not destroy it. The angels go and they, they rescue some people, but he still destroys it. But you see, God sometimes will relent if his people begin to pray. Remember Moses interceded for the people. God, don't destroy these people. They're your chosen people. You see, you and I need to reason with God. You need to get in your prayer life like this. Pray for Father God. I pray for my brother or my sister or whoever from their destructive ways that are going to destroy them and send them to hell according to 1 Timothy 2.4 that says you want all men to be saved. You see what I'm saying? You're using God's scripture and you're reasoning with him. God, have mercy on my family. Have mercy on my nation. You can pray like this. Say, say, God, have mercy on this nation and let us repent of our wickedness as you have had mercy when Moses interceded and kept you from destroying the whole nation of Israel in the desert. That's why I believe it is still possible that America can repent. Don't believe the naysayers. Because we can still pray. Amen? You can reason with God. Have mercy. Do you see this? Are you, is that good? Let her see. Intercessors produce. And, and I guess in a sense, we, we, we birth things. As a man, I don't totally understand that. I, don't, I haven't given birth. Uh, you know, but thank God for the ladies that do give birth. And they travail. And, and so often, listen to this, God places a burden on your heart that moves you to prayer. And when he does that, he doesn't want you to say, uh, blah, blah, bless it. And he wants you to pray for it often until that thing happens. He wants you to pray through until it happens. Or through, kind of like giving birth, I guess. So that intercessors produce, that you intercede until the prayer is answered. Amen? Pray until the thing comes. Again, Luke 11 was a great example of the neighbor who came at midnight, was knocking on this door. Hey, I need bread. I need bread. Go away. I need bread. Go away. We're all I need bread. That would annoy you, right? And finally, he got up and he gave bread to his neighbor. He said, get out of here. But because the neighbor was... Persistent. Number five. Let's talk about the functions of intercession. So we talked about the modes of intercession. Intercession, you need to wrestle, you need to reason, and you need to pray through until the answer comes through. Isn't that good? Number five. The functions of intercession. Letter A. Intercessors are forerunners. Intercessors are forerunners. Let me tell you, if you've never read or, or understood... There were in, 19, in the early 1900s, there was a revival on the Welsh islands. The Welsh islands are part of Great Britain today. And, and, and it was a pretty bad place. And so, so God began, check this out, I'm going to read this so I get it right. God began to move in the heart of a young man. It says, during the spring of 1904, a young Welshman named Evan Roberts was repeatedly awakened at 1 a.m. He met with God until 5 a.m. The Welsh revival followed. Churches were packed for prayer meetings. In a prayer meeting for young people, Pastor Joseph Jenkins asked for testimonies. A young girl named Flory Evans, who, who had only been a believer for a few days, rose and with trembling voice said simply, I love Jesus with all my heart. The other, the other young people's hearts were melted. A powerful spiritual awakening that brought 100,000 people to Christ was underway. Because God began to put in Evan Roberts' heart to pray. He woke him up at 1 o'clock every morning until 5 a.m. And he interceded for his country. In fact, the, 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 the revival is so powerful that the miners, check this out, the miners used to, when, when they had their ponies and their horses and their mules getting, getting the coal out of the ground, they would, the, 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 the pack animals only understood their cursing at them. They understood the cursing. And so that when these men and women started getting saved, the miners started getting saved, the animals didn't know how to respond to them because they stopped cursing. Can you imagine there's a real revival and we stop all ungodliness? And it was so powerful. I mean, seriously, the, the mules, the, the horses, the pack animals didn't know what to do because these guys were no longer cursing at them, telling them how to get out of the mine anymore. In fact, it says that, that the, the scriptures, there was, a, there was orders from the Bible Society for, for three times the amount of scriptures before, and, and there was a great revival. It started with one man praying every night, and him getting other people to pray with him. You see, intercessors are prayer warriors who pray before God. When he wants to do something big, he begins to move on the hearts of a couple people. And they begin to have a burden for it. And they begin to come together and say, we begin to pray. Oh, Pastor, and that was 1904. That cannot happen today. Yes, it can still happen today. 
I'm telling you, the church in Africa in the last 20 years, in two decades, over the two decades, it has doubled in size two times in the last 20 years. That can happen in the United States of America when we start getting serious in prayer. Come on, amen? Stop saying that the United States is done, it's over with. It's not over with until God says it's over. But we can pray, amen? You see, intercessors see God's desired effect and they pray till it comes about. The Welsh people did not want to see their land destroyed. You should not want to see America destroyed or Africa or South America or any nation of any country of any world destroyed. Amen? God forgive us for that kind of mindset. Letter B. Intercessors are, are representatives. Intercessors are representatives. Again, Ezekiel 22.30. I look for a man among, uh, among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it. But I found none. You see, God had to rebuke the prophets in Ezekiel. Because early on in Ezekiel 13, it says, You have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. You see, he rebuked the prophets. You guys should have been up there, but you've been taking care of your own needs. You've been out fleecing the the flock. You've You've been building your own house, but you forgot about my house. You forgot about my nation. You forgot about your nation. So he was rebuking them. And you see, the task of every believer, even still today, is you and I are to close the gaps, close the wall that the enemy has broken through in our nation. Come on, I mean, morality is, is, is sunk to new lows, has it not? But you know what can happen is we start getting back on our prayer and the knees and start getting back in the wall and say, no, we're going to push back the gay agenda. We don't hate gay people. We just hate the gay agenda. Did you know that, that suicide is in a very high rate for people that are gay? Because the devil wants to destroy them as well as all people. Did you know that, that I mean, we're killing babies like it's just nothing? When are we going to stand in the gap? Violence is on the rise like crazy. When are we going to stand in the gap? Come on, church. Our young people, as, as I said, 80% of teenagers coming out of high school leave the church because of the godlessness taught in the public schools. There are some good things, but the godless world system is pulling our kids away from God. I'm not advocating, well, we should get the Bible study back and prayer meetings, and if the, church, if the believers want to do that, that's awesome. I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but when are we going to stand in the gap for our country? When are we going to stand in the gap for maybe your home country? When are we going to start saying, God, would you, I will do that. I will stand in prayer. I will watch. Come on, church, amen? You are to represent them in prayer. The second thing, the third thing, which is very similar, the next two, our intercessors defend the land. Intercessors are tasked with defending. Not only, not only were they to stand up on the wall, they were to stand with a horn in one hand and a sword, or actually a torch. They had a horn around their, around their body, strapped to them, and they had a torch and they had their sword. And they would stand on the wall and they would look, and if they would see the enemy coming, they would blow the horn and they would be the first one to defend. You see, because God is with you. Remember, we read that scripture all the time in Romans. If God is for us, then who can be against us? You can stand in the gap and push back demonic forces in schools, in nations, in workplaces. You can be the first one to blow the trumpet. Hey, I need help. Believers, come and pray with me. And then you can use the sword of the Lord and you can push back the darkness. Remember that? The Bible said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. Do you see this? You are to defend your land. Our, our, our land should be our interest. In fact, Jeremiah 29.7. Check this out. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It makes me sick. It makes me sick when I hear people say, I want President Obama to fail. Made me sick when I heard people say, I want George Bush to fail. It makes me sick that we think like that. Come on, church, amen? You may not agree with their politics and you need to pray for them. But you need to say, God, I pray that they succeed in the right ways. Do you understand that? We are never to pray for the demise of another person, another nation, another tribe. God does not like that kind of a prayer. If they're evil, then you say, God, help them repent. And God, if they don't repent, then remove them the way you want to. Do you understand that? 
So whoever the next president, he or she, whatever political party, you're not to pray against them, you're to pray for them. Whether you're home country, whether you're from the Ukraine, or there's a warring nation wherever you live, you're to pray for that leader to get saved and for that ruling government to be what God wants it to be. Amen? We, are, we, we need to be concerned about the... I know I, know, I know I get mad about the Democrats and Republicans and, and, and politicians, but we're to pray for them. Amen? We're to pray for people that are, that are in destructive lifestyles. We're not to hate them. We're to pray for them. Come on, amen? People are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Do you have this? Letter D. Intercessors watch. I talked about this. The watchman stood on the wall and he had the trumpet. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, I have posted a watchman on your walls, O Jerusalem, that they will never be silent day or night. You will call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. You're to stand in the gap until God tells you you're relieved. Come on, amen? I know life's tiring, I know it's hard, but let me read you what Pastor David Ironman says. He said, our job is to keep watch spiritually for actions, thoughts and practices that attempt to pull us away from godliness and away from God's original design for us. You and I are tasked to watch over your home, your school, your neighborhood, your workplace, your church, your communities, and the nations of the world. That is your job. That's your job. Come on, amen? Again, Epaphras, he prayed and he watched over the souls of the people of three cities. He wrestled for them. Number six, and I'm getting right down to the very end. Understanding deployment, because God is, if you're not deployed now in prayer, He wants to deploy you now in prayer. Amen? If you look in the scriptures, I've referred, I've referred to this, this sermon series about Daniel, and I've referred a little bit about Ezekiel. Daniel was a government official. He was the, he, in time, he became the second highest government official in his nation. The, Babylon was a huge empire that lasted for a long time, it was huge. Uh, as far as I know, they went from, from Mongolia all the way over into, into what's now uh, Western and Eastern Europe for a while. And it was huge, and so, so that he was a diplomat, he was a loving person, he was patient. But then on the other st- side was Ezekiel. Ezekiel was kind of like me, getting on your nerves today. In your face. I'm not, I'm not like that wire. That's not my wiring all the time. I do it when the Lord tells me to do it. But Ezekiel was that prophet. He was black and white. He was the, hey, hey, man, there's no mercy. Get up, quit crying, and get up and do the, the Lord's work. And so, every one of you are wired differently. Say, I am wired differently than Pastor Stan. Isn't that awesome? But because of that, every one of you are wired differently. Now, hate is a strong emotion. Would you agree? But we're not to hate people. You see, the Holy Spirit works through our feelings and our emotions and our desires. And we should not hate people, but we should hate the work of the enemy on people's lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so what happens is God puts a burden on, what, on your heart about things. It could be abortion. It could be, it could be poverty. It could be you know, injustice. It could be, uh, you know, there are people, still people being slave, enslaved in the nation, in the nations of the world. It, it could be something like that. And God puts that on your heart. And you hate to see the devil destroying people's lives. And that's what you're to pray against. Father, I hate this thing. I hate cancer. I hate AIDS. I hate injustice. I hate this thing. Father, I rebuke it. I curse it. Father, I'm praying for people to be free of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Drive that energy of hate, not towards people, but to the enemy of our souls. He is the one causing most of the problems on top of our sinful lifestyles in America, in the world. People's free choice and Satan are destroying the world. Instead of praying for people, against people, you're supposed to pray for people. But I hate my co-workers. I, I told you the story, man, and I, 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 it comes to my mind. When, uh, my last church, this lady was calling. She called in the ch- uh, calling about our church. Hey, hey, uh, are, were you guys meeting at such such place? Yeah, you know, uh, great. How can, and I could tell she had an attitude on the phone. You, you know what I'm talking about? I didn't have to see her. I'm not really good at reading body language sometimes. You ladies are like, you got it down, right? You can look at somebody. Oh, they got attitude. You know, I look at them. I don't see anything. But I mean, it, I mean, it was like coming over the phone. It was like, you know, when, I, when she first talked, I mean, I tell her, whoa, there's an issue with this lady. And she gets on the phone. Are you, are, are you one of that churches? You, you lift your hand and you sing. And, you're, and I, I hate these people. I hate the city government. I hate this. And I was like, wow. I mean, she just, I mean, I literally, I was like this with the phone. And she was just going through her list of people she hated. And I was like, well, this church is not for you, ma'am. Have a great day. And we're not to hate people. 
You're not to hate your boss. You're not to hate your parents, your classmates, your co-workers. You're not to hate the government. You're to hate the devil and his sin and his destructive power. Do you understand what I'm saying? The next thing. What do you love the most? Get past Krispy Kreme. Get past your TV show. Get past your car. Get past your sports team. Get past your felt needs and your emotional desires. And say, God, what do you want me? What, what really excites me? What turns me on? What gets me? Man, or, man I'm seeing people freed of poverty or, or seeing kids educated or, or, or people worshiping or people getting saved. I and mean, whatever that excitement, whatever gets you excited, it's a good thing, a noble cause, not just you. I, I, I like a million dollars, Pastor Stan, so I can live it. I can live. That's not, that's your flesh. Now, some of you have a million dollars. God bless you. And it doesn't control you. But that, I'm, I'm saying beyond that. What really excites you? What is that thing that you feel God wants you? Then you should pray for that. Amen? You should pray against the, the evil that you see that God has put in your heart. And then you should say, okay, Lord, I want my desires and gifts. Like Paul said, not my will. I submit to you. Your grace is sufficient for me. I will boast in my weaknesses so that you will be glorified. You see, that's how a prayer warrior should work. Would you stand with me this morning? The question for you and I is, Go ahead and stand up this morning. Is will you and I be deployed for God in prayer? Will we begin to pray for our nation? Will we pray for people we don't like? Will we pray for our enemies? Will we pray for the enemies of our nation, the enemies of all nations, the enemy of all people, Satan? Pray against him. Amen? You see, God has made a clarion call. If you could hear the trumpets of heaven, if you could hear the angels blowing the trumpets saying, Church, it's time to wake up. Church in America, it's time to see beyond your little world and see that the world is in need of you. The American church was one of the greatest churches that missionaries everywhere. Now, countries are sending missionaries back here. Australians are sending missionaries. African nations are sending missionaries. Koreans are sending missionaries. All countries that we once sent missionaries to, now they're sending missionaries back to us. It's time for the church in America to wake up again. Will you stand in the gap? Will you be a man or a woman, a teenager, a child of prayer, and say, I'm going to stand in gap as God calls me? Father, would you move on our hearts? I know I had a, a different thing, but I'm just asking for you to move on the heart of every person in this room. Everyone has needs. We've already asked that you meet those needs, but Lord, would you help us to be concerned about your needs now? The needs of the church, the needs of the, un, uh, the unsaved, the needs of those that are being oppressed by the world system and by the enemy. That we begin to move beyond our needs and we begin to pray in a place of agreement, God. Help us to put aside politics. Help us to put aside hate. Help us to put aside our own vendettas, God, and start praying for your agendas, God. Let us start agreeing in prayer. Let us see that prayer is the most important tool that we can agree with, God. Help us to call other believers and, and set a time of praying together. One hour a week. Two hours a week, one day a week, one day a month, we can unite in prayer and see a great move. I'm asking that you would move on hearts of people like you moved on Evan Roberts and brought a revival to the Welsh Islands. You can do that here. There's nothing impossible. You can do that in every nation in Africa, in, in Asia, in Europe, in South America, North America, all the island countries. You could do that in every country. So, Lord, let us move beyond ourselves and move beyond to the bigger things. Let us take that title deed that you own everything, God, and stand upon that. Let us move to be intercessors for our land. I'm calling you right now. If you're saying this, Pastor saying God is calling me to intercede or to stand in the gap. Would you come to the front just quickly? Say, I want to I hear God's call. I want to stand in the gap for my workplace, my country, my nation. Come on, my church, this community. Come. If, you're, if you feel the Holy Spirit's moving, you say, I want to stand in the gap. I want to stand in the gap for my family, my friends my co-worker, my workplace, my company, my nation, the nations of the world. I want you to come down and say, that's me. Come on, right now, I want to stand in the gap. I've not done a good job. I've done an okay job, but I want to stand in the gap. I want to be that man, that woman that will stand in the gap. I don't have power in myself. I don't have ability in myself, but me and God make a majority. And so, Lord, begin to move in our hearts, God, that we're going to stand in the gap for every nation because it is your will for every person to be saved. You don't want people to die. You don't want them to go to hell. You don't want them to be destroyed by the devil. So, Father, let us begin to look at people in the eyes of Jesus. Let us not see them as Democrats or Republicans or black or white or gay or straight or, or, or see them as, as African or, or, or Asians or, or Latinos or, or whatever. Maybe there's a different tribe, the Hootsies and Tootsies, Lord God, or, or, or whatever tribe or, or North Koreans versus South Koreans, God or communist versus freak republic. Lord, we don't want to look like that anymore. 
We want to see people with the eyes of God think that all people need Jesus. Would you awaken us, God? We will stand and begin to call out and say, God, I will stand in the gap. Come on. You come on right now. Say, God, here I am. Use me. I will stand in the gap for my people, for my family, for my, co- my co-workers, my schoolmates, my, my family around here, even my enemies. Come on, call out for them. Say, God, help me to begin to be reminded to pray. So, Lord, let the church pray. Pray for our nation, the nations of the world. Lord, everyone that came down said, I will stand in the gap. Now, God, employ them, empower them, and deploy them, God, to begin to pray. Let them unite with other believers who have similar desires, who have a similar, similar call, God. Would you begin to do this work, what you want to do in this church, for this community, God? Lord, it is your desire for a church in every block in this community. That has been your desire forever, God. And Rockville Assembly, God, wants to fulfill that mission, God. We want to be a part of that, God. We're no longer going to sit back and allow other churches to just sw- uh, just kind of go away and disappear, God. I'm tired of hearing about churches closing. I'm tired of hearing about the church not even being effective in this community anymore. Father, it's time for this church to be effective and to be the lighthouse to this community. It's time for us to plant churches, to help other churches. Lord, that we could start other churches of other denominations and start churches of other nationalities, of other ages, of other types, God. That is your desire for this church, God. So we speak it forth because of you wanting it. So we stand in agreement, God. We stand in the gap for this community. Lord, you want Montgomery County. You want Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania. You want the whole eastern shore to know you, the whole eastern coast to know you, this nation, every nation. So, Lord, we stand in the gap. Come on, call out for God right now. Whatever that burden is in your heart, call out for that burden. Call out. Come on. In Jesus' name, call out for that right now. Father, you moved in our hearts. You're moving in our spirits, God. We will stand in the gap. We will pray for our nation, the nations, our tribes, Lord. We will pay, pray for a, a people group, maybe in a certain part of the country, or even this nation that you have us pray for. We will not give up, God. We will not quit. God, give us your strength. We will, we will prevail because you are greater than all things. And nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you, God. Nothing is impossible. Come on, church. Nothing is impossible for God. He can work in you. He can work through you. He can work through your family. He can work in your workplace. He can save everyone there. It is possible. He can save everyone in this county, this state, this nation. Father, help us to pray for the success of the city that we live in. I know a lot of people curse Washington, D.C. I know a lot of people curse this area. And I know I grumble about it at times. I grumble about the traffic. I grumble about the high taxes. But Lord, I, I repent of that. I repent and I thank you that you've called me to be a part of this community. I thank you that you've called me to be a part of this area. I pray that we stop grumbling and we start praying for the success of President Obama, the next president. We pray for the success of the U.S. government. I do pray that these men and women repent. They would get on their knees and be reminded they're public servants to those who elected them. They are not servants to political parties. They are servants to the nation. So I do pray for that. But I repent if I've been bad-mouthing them and, and griping about them. So, Lord, I pray for the success of them for your will. Your will. Lord, I do pray against the, the, the tide of evil that's pushing its way through the middle schools, the high schools, the elementary, the college campuses, on our TVs, on our cell phones, on our hand devices, through the music. And, Lord, that we would push it back. We would push it back, God. We would not be brainwashed by it. We would not be told how to live our lives. But we would obey you, God. And yes, Lord, I pray that you'd meet the need of every person in this room. But Father, let, us, let our prayer lives move away from only praying about our needs, only praying for our desires and praying now for your desires. And your desires for every church in every nation to grow. Your desires for every government to bow to need. Your desires for every person to be saved. So Father, we will travail in prayer. We will not quit. We will become like Epaphras who prayed for three cities, God. Even if we just begin to pray for our city and move us to three cities, God, into a nation. Lord, you want whole people groups.